Turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. Romans 13, verses 11 through 14. This is the word of the Lord. Listen carefully as I read. And this do, knowing the time, that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now, salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. The night is almost gone, and the day is at hand. Let us therefore lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Amen. Pray with me. Lord, we need your help at this time. Uh, The the day is uh, drawing to a close and um, uh, it is easy to become sleepy. At times like this, we pray that you would help us to pay attention. Would you please help me to proclaim your truth uh, rightly, and would you please uh, honor yourself? We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so kids, I want you to think of a little scenario here um, that is a little um, story in your head. Let's say you were outside um, and you were playing and it was right after a nice heavy rain, and your mom and your dad weren't looking, and uh, you found this gloriously deep mud puddle, and you had your clothes on, and you decided, oh, that looks so fun, I think I'm going to dive in. And you do. You dive in, well, don't dive in, but you, you splash in, and you sit down, and you pull the mud up, and do it like this, and your hair, and on your clothes, and it's just so much fun. I did that as a boy, so that's I know how that works. Uh, and it is fun. I wouldn't do it now, I don't think. But anyway, um, so you have a situation like that, and then you get called into the house by one of your parents, let's say your mom, and your mom says, we're going to a, a, a special event, let's, say, let's just say it was church, Maybe there was an evening uh, event at church or something. We have, and so you need to come in and you need to clean up. And she sees you and whoa, you need to clean up. And then you go and you go to the bathroom or whatever, and you take your dirty clothes off. Okay, you got your dirty clothes off. Is that good enough? To go to the event that you need to go to, the special event, it really doesn't help, does it, to just take off your dirty clothes. You need to 
put some new clothes on, right? You need to put on something that is that um, that is appropriate for the event. You don't want to walk in naked into an event. Uh, you know, it's, that's not a good idea. We don't do that since the Garden of Eden. Um, so you have to put new clothes on. Good clothes on, clean clothes on. So we have to put something off, and we had to put something on, right? Well, you probably figured out where I'm going with this. This passage that we're talking at, uh, uh, looking at, rather, and I'm talking about, speaks of the need that we Christians have of putting something off and also of putting something on. We need to put off the bad stuff and we need to put on the good stuff if we're Christians. And this passage makes that point quite eloquently. And that's basically the, the thrust of this passage. As you listen, you'll, you'll hear that. Um, this passage revolves around as kind of a, uh, a thing that's uh, very, uh, that's uh, in the near background, I should say, of the points that Paul is making. Uh, he is, he is thinking of these points of putting off and putting on that Christians need to engage in as new creatures in Christ in light of what he calls here the day. He describes it, um, as, um, uh, the hour or, or the day. And he says the night is almost gone and the day is at hand. That's verse 12. And uh, in the previous verse, uh, for now salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed, uh, because the, uh, it is already the hour for you to awaken, he says. And he's speaking here, uh, I'm convinced, uh, he's speaking of the day of Christ's return. Uh, this day is sometimes known as the coming of Christ. We talked a little bit about that this morning. It's sometimes referred to as the parousia, which is the Greek word. Uh, actually, you don't probably hear that outside of seminary, but we heard it in seminary. Uh, and it's also referred to as the day of the Lord or just the day by the, by the uh, New Testament uh, and also Old Testament writers. And the day, and that is the day, by the way, when our salvation will be complete. Now, you might say, what do you mean? I'm already saved. Yes, you are, if you're a Christian. And you're going to go to heaven. And if you go to heaven, if, you, if Jesus doesn't return before you die, you will go to heaven. And you will be even more gloriously, um, um, you'll experience even more joy and more blessing and more a fuller salvation there. But that's still not the end of the story. The end of the story comes when Jesus returns uh, in glory and when uh, all wrongs are made right, but also when we are either, if we are present when Jesus returns, our bodies are glorified and we become sinless, or if we have died prior to his coming, we are reunited with our glorified bodies. And that is the fullest uh, salvation that there is, or the fullest um, uh, uh, magnitude of salvation. You get the point I'm trying to make. And that will only occur when Jesus returns to earth uh, in the, uh, his, the glory of his Father with his holy angels to judge uh, and uh, to gather in his people. On that day, the reprobate will be confirmed in their, in their reprobation, in their damnation. Uh, that uh, verdict will be reaffirmed and they will be destroyed uh, forevermore without ever being entirely destroyed for their rejection of Christ uh, and their hatred of God. On that day also, we who are God's elect will be finally, and as I said, fully saved. Um, 
And this day, this great day, will mark the end of the ages. Now, the New Testament teaches that the day of Christ's returns, of Christ's return is near or at hand. This passage alludes to that. In verse 12, the night is almost gone and the day is at hand. There are other similar statements made in scripture to this same effect, one of which is uh, in James chapter 5, verse 8. I won't turn there now for the sake of time, but also in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, we read the following. The end of all things is at hand, Peter says. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. In Revelation 22, uh, Jesus says he's coming quickly. Uh, in 22, 10 uh, through 12, I won't bother to read it, but you're familiar with the passage. Uh, on the surface, of course, it sounds as if these New Testament writers expected Christ, the Lord Jesus, to return during their lifetimes or perhaps shortly thereafter. That is not uh, what they meant when they said that uh, the day is at hand or the day is near. We know this because of what Paul says uh, in 2 Thessalonians and also in Romans chapter 11. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul is seeking to dampen expectation that some in the Thessalonican community had that Jesus' return was imminent or had already happened. And he says, don't, don't listen to that stuff. Um, I'll read it to you real quickly here. Uh, he says... Um, now we, now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, that you may not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed, either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Uh, Paul is saying there, it has not come. Uh, and so if you receive some notification that it has, as if it were from us, don't believe it. Well, that's one thing. But also, uh, in Romans chapter 11, as we looked at some weeks ago, we, we learned there that Jesus will apparently only return in glory after a widespread embrace of Christianity among ethnic Jews. I preached that passage uh, some weeks back. And of course, that that widespread acceptance of Jesus or embrace of Jesus by ethnic descendants of Jacob hadn't really happened in Paul's day, although the initial converts were Jews, but still the vast majority had not come to believe in Jesus. And that, by the way, has still not happened. It would seem to me, from my observation, today. So one could expect that uh, Jesus' second coming may be off uh, a bit into the future from now, too. So what, the, what, so, what, so what did the New Testament writers mean? What did Paul mean when he says that the day is at hand, the day is near? Well, what they meant was, uh, almost certainly, is that in the unfolding of God's redemptive plan in time and space and, and human history, the next great event to occur in redemptive history is the return of Jesus to earth. In other words, there are no major redemptively significant events that stood between these writers when they were writing and said, the day of the Lord is at hand and the day of the Lord. There was no redemptively significant 
events um, in, uh, in terms of the redemption of God's people. So, the nearness that Paul and Peter and James and John spoke of was a redemptive nearness, not a temporal nearness, which is unfortunately how people sometimes uh, take those, oftentimes take those passages. So, on that day, whenever it occurs, God's redemption, his salvation, I'm using those words interchangeably at this point, of his people will be fully um, brought about, will be complete, if you will. That leads me to these, uh, that's all by way of introduction, it leads me to the two points, uh, which I already alluded to with the children, and that is first, because the day when our salvation, our redemption will be complete is drawing closer and closer, we need to put off that which remains of moral and spiritual darkness within us. And secondly, because the day when our salvation will be complete is drawing nearer and nearer, closer and closer, we need to put on that which reflects moral and spiritual light. So we have to put off that which remains of moral and spiritual darkness and put on moral and spiritual light. First of all, darkness. There remains within every Christian, as I know you all know, a remnant of sin. Uh, there is still within us, though we are redeemed, though we are righteous in God's sight, there is still darkness uh, inside of us, uh, in the recesses of our hearts, where evil still resides. Paul says, uh, excuse me, John says in his uh, first epistle, uh, verse chapter 1, verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Uh, anybody who says they are sinless, uh, they have not read the Bible and they are, they are uh, greatly deceived. We, uh, because there is this old man that still dwells in us, we are exhorted here and of course many other places to be about the business of dealing with that sin, of addressing those Issues in our lives that are unbecoming of one who professes to know and love Jesus Christ. Uh, we are told in several places, one of which is in um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, where Paul is speaking there and he says, In reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside or are laying aside the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you are being renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self. Also over in uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 1 uh, and following, speaks similarly of our need to put off and put on. Therefore, if we have, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. And his point is, you should keep resisting up until that point, if need be. Uh, and so this is a, uh, this is a familiar exhortation. Uh, this is not how we are saved. 
We are saved only by Jesus, but those of us who are in Jesus, savingly, are going to want to honor him, and we are going to want to put off that which uh, displeases him and uh, and grieves the Holy Spirit. We are to cast off uh, the old man and the remnants of the old man as uh, as if it were an old, tattered piece of clothing. That is what the text uh, is implying here. It's a casting, it's a deliberate getting rid of and a decision to get rid of. It's a purposing in our hearts to deal with uh, what remains of sin within us and to take whatever actions are necessary to maximize uh, the the uh, the chances of success in, in that endeavor of putting off uh, sin. So, for example, if the sin that you struggle with is using uh, your time unwisely, um, uh, I have that struggle, as some of you know. Then developing a schedule and staying with it uh, would be one way of uh, an action, a specific action that you could take and probably should take if you are struggling with um, using your time wisely. If your sin is pride, memorizing uh, and reviewing and meditating on scriptures that uh, condemn pride and that... Uh, that commend humility would be something tangible that you could do. And, and uh, reciting those to yourself if you're struggling with feeling uh, uh, better than the person uh, next to you or in front of you. Uh, if your sin is overeating, uh, and overeating is a sin, uh, the wise thing to do, it seems to me, is not fill one's refrigerator or pantry with all sorts of goodies that would tempt us to engage in uh, too much um, uh, interaction with food. If talking back to your parents is an issue for some of you younger folks, uh, then what you that ought to be on your prayer list. Lord, would you please help me to respect my parents? Would you please help me to not say uh, the first thing that comes into my mind when when uh, when I, they my parents tell me something that I don't want to do? Um, please help me to uh, to bite my tongue, things of that nature. Those are specific ways uh, in which we are to uh, deal with um, deal with things that are uh, not Christ-like in our lives. So, what is it? I've mentioned a few here, but what are some other things that God commands us to put off? Well, He says in verse twelve of our text, essentially, uh, any uh, and all evil behavior. And thoughts and uh, words, uh, behavior, uh, uh, a catch-all for all those things. What Paul is referring to in verse uh, 12 as the deeds of darkness. He uh, speaks there in verse 12, and that's what he calls them. Um, let us therefore, because the day is near, let us therefore lay aside the deeds of darkness. In other words, the, the things within us, those deeds that we're still prone to do, engage in, because they're besetting or what have you, uh, they're, they're uh, difficult for us to resist, etc. Uh, God is light, and in him there is no darkness. And if we are in Christ, if we are children of God, he requires that we uh, do everything we can to rid our own darkness from our own hearts. Uh, be holy, for I am holy, the Lord says to us, his children. And we need to take that exhortation 
uh, very seriously. And Paul gives further examples of what kind of evil uh, behavior that he has in mind. Uh, just by way of example, he speaks of carousing and drunkenness. In other words, boisterous, drunken partying uh, is, the, is the point there. Uh, pr- sexual promiscuity and sensuality, uh, kind of uh, almost synonyms. He's speaking of unseemly, uh, immoral sexual behavior there. And he speaks of strife and jealousy, uh, though that is being quarrelsome uh, with others and envying others in a way that damages relationships. Now, Paul's list may not include your uh, sins that you seriously struggle with. These may not be your sins. Uh, but this list is merely a representative sampling. It uh, represents things that might be in a believer's life that need to be thrown off. And God requires us to indeed throw such things off. What are some things in your life that you know displease the Lord? I want you to think about it for a moment. What are some attitudes or some thoughts or words or deeds that you fairly regularly slip into that you that grieve the heart of God? Are you doing something to get rid of those things? Or have you gotten comfortable with where you're at? I hope you know that the latter situation is not a good one. We are not to be comfortable with our sins. Willful defiance of, uh, of, uh, of putting off something that we know God wants us to put off is evil, but so too is benign neglect. To just go with the flow. To be happy or sufficiently content with the status quo in terms of our own um, sanctification. It is not right. Sanctification is something that is to increase over time. Yes, sometimes it's barely perceptible. Uh, other times it's more readily perceptible. But it needs to be, the trajectory, as I often say, needs to be upward toward greater holiness, and we need to be diligent in pursuing that. Are you? And we need to put these things off because... The day of Christ's coming and of our full and final salvation is drawing nearer and dearer, nearer. And Paul makes that connection here in verses 11 and 12 when he says, and I'll reread it, and this do knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. And then he says, the night is almost gone and the day is at hand. Let us therefore so he's, the logical connection is, because of what I have just said, because the night is almost gone and the day is at hand, therefore let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Uh, so the time uh, of Jesus' return could be, uh, there's, there's nothing redemptively significant that needs to occur. Uh, and so... The time for us to awaken, if you will, from our slumber, uh, from our night of moral and spiritual slumber, and to put on the garments uh, that are appropriate for the light of the approaching day of the Lord is now. The time is now. 
to deal with what you're not dealing with if there's something you're not dealing with sufficiently in your life. If you will, the alarm clock of the gospel has sounded and you, by God's grace, have been aroused by that sound and it is now time to get up uh, and get out and get ready for the coming day. And uh, you do this by changing, as it were, to keep the metaphor going, your spiritual clothes. From the dirty ones to the clean ones to get ready for Jesus' return. Also, this also means, by the way, that the time when you will be called upon, to, uh, the, the day, rather, that Jesus returns, is the, uh, the fact that it's near means that that time that you will be called upon to give an account of which Jesus speaks of yourself and your choices in this life, give an account to God, that day also is, or that time is drawing nearer and nearer. And that thought should sober us. And it also should motivate us to be diligent in putting off what remains uh, that is displeasing to the Lord in our lives. Secondly, and more briefly, because the day when our salvation will be complete is drawing closer and closer, not only do we need to put off, uh, but we also need to put on that which reflects moral and spiritual Light and our text makes this point as well. We need to be able, we need to be about that business of clothing ourselves with um, garments of light. Uh, metaphor there for uh, for appropriate godly actions, thoughts, and words and attitudes. Um, it's not enough, as I indicated to uh, Bebo. It's not enough just to put off the dirt. We need to put on the clean clothes. We need, they go hand in hand. Uh, and you can't rightly uh, do one without the other. So what is it that we need to put on? He says, he says there, he describes it as, in verse 12, the armor of light. Or, more, uh, perhaps a better translation is, uh, weapons of light. That is actually the best translation of the Greek there. And so he's saying what you're putting on are weapons um, of light, a metaphor for, for godliness. Weapons of, of, uh, of godly behavior and thought. Uh, weapons, because, and they're called weapons, I think, because they're tools that we use uh, and can use and must use in our battle against temptation and sin. By that putting on of those positive uh, virtues uh, is, uh, as we pursue those, that gives us strength to resist the temptations that come our way and sin that besets. And of course, it is only the Holy Spirit giving us the strength to uh, put on those weapons of light and use those weapons of light in our struggle against temptation and sin. It is only God who gives that strength. It doesn't come innately from within us. But it does come as we seek the Lord. And these are the same weapons, of course, uh, that Paul spoke of elsewhere, specifically over in Ephesians chapter 6 in the uh, the Armor of God chapter. Uh, and uh, paraphrasing a little bit what Paul says there, those weapons would be, first of all, the knowledge and love of the truth, particularly of the gospel. Uh, that is a weapon. 
knowing that we are in Christ and forgiven and loved by God because of what Jesus did for us and uh, and we are children of God. Um, also the righteousness of Jesus uh, and figured in the or alluded to in the breastplate of righteousness, excuse me, uh, that we are clothed in that righteousness. We are righteous in God's sight. We don't have to earn God's uh, acceptance. We already have acceptance because of that righteousness with which we are clothed. Uh, he speaks of the cheerful eagerness to act, which comes from the peace that the gospel provides us with. Uh, that uh, being shod uh, uh, reference uh, over in Ephesians 6. And that eagerness that comes from having a peaceful heart. I'm at peace with God. I'm no longer at war with God. That, that itself motivates, you see. The consciousness of our being, having already been saved by God. That it's a done deal. It's a fait accompli. The word of God itself. The scriptures uh, are obviously a very, very important weapon in our warfare against uh, indwelling, what remains of indwelling sin. Uh, and faith itself. Faith in God and what he has said in his word likewise. And all of these are weapons of light, if you will, uh, that we can use to grow ourselves, to put on increasingly the virtuous um, uh, behaviors and thoughts and uh, words that are commanded to us in Scripture. Why do we need to put on these things? Well, we need to do that because so that we, again, might successfully resist the spiritual forces of wickedness um, that are seeking to undo us. Also because of who God is, because he himself is holy. We are to be holy, not just morally neutral, but positively righteous in our uh, in ourself. And again, uh, the connection that Paul draws here is a third reason, because the day when we will see our Savior face to face is coming closer and closer as time marches on. And we don't want to face the prospect of seeing Jesus with uh, uh, regret or anxiety, or fear, uh, nor do we want to be ashamed at the sight of his coming because we have been uh, um, engaged in uh, inappropriate behavior, or thought, or deed, or word, rather. So how do we put on uh, the armor of light, the weapons of light? Verse 14 answers that question uh, simply by saying, by putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. By putting him on. What does that mean? To put Jesus on, the Lord Jesus Christ on. We're already Christians. He's speaking to Christians here. He obviously doesn't mean you need to come to Jesus. Uh, he's talking to the Christian. Uh, and he is speaking of, uh, of sanctification, it seems to me. He's talking, so to put on the Lord Jesus Christ is to be constantly pursuing and and striving uh, and purposing through God's enabling grace to uh, be more and more conformed to the moral image of our Savior. To make that our um, our ambition, our central ambition in, in what we do with the remainder of our life, however, however much time God has given you to live, that that should be your uh, goal. And so, this goes back to, by the way, to the, uh, the uh, Hebrews passage, where uh, the writer of the Hebrews says, uh, Lay aside, put aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, 
Uh, and he says, the way to do that is fix your eyes on Jesus. As we see and look at and behold and pursue Jesus and see his love, his moral beauty, his kindness, his gentleness, his faithfulness, that will stir us in ways that will move the ball forward um, as far as our sanctification goes. But it requires that we fix our eyes on him, uh, that we pursue him determinedly uh, and um, persistently throughout the remainder of our days. Are you pursuing Jesus this way? Probably a fair number of us could be doing a better job at that. We're forgiven for our somewhat less than enthusiastic pursuit of Jesus by Jesus. Um, But the fact that we are forgiven isn't a license to keep doing that. We need to pursue him um, and repurpose to pursue him with greater vigor in the future. And only God can give us that grace to do that, to to purpose that way, and then to follow through with actual pursuit. Um, And so we now need to pray and ask the Lord to help us do that. Join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you that we are uh, your children and that we are in Christ already. Those of us who are uh, believers, we thank you that we are already perfectly righteous in your sight uh, as you view us as, as our judge and have pronounced us so. And uh, But Lord, we know that in our experience, we are less than righteous and holy uh, all too often. And we know, Lord, that there is still um, that old man uh, who is evil, um, who dwells within our breast yet. Uh, And Lord, we know you wish him to be uh, removed. And you have called on us to fight against um, that old man and that remnant of sin and to wage deliberate warfare against that which displeases you in our hearts and our lives. Would you please help us, Lord, to do this? Would you please help us to to consistently strive, fight, uh, in reliance upon you, Holy Spirit, to put off more and more uh, the ways, the thoughts, the attitudes, the words that grieve your heart and that, that characterized our life in the past and to put on uh, virtuous, Christ-like behaviors, thoughts, and attitudes. And would you please, Lord, uh, give us that grace that we absolutely must have We know we will not make any progress whatsoever without uh, you giving us the strength to do that. Please grant it to us for Christ's sake, for your glory, and that 
uh, our lights might shine before a world that needs Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen. Now God's blessing. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful as he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. Amen.